The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Ooh, Lieberman. 100%. Did we do his born. DNA testing? Does he have the DNA of a terrorist? Do we have his birth records? Do we have every single thing about the man who is sus- uh, the suspected terrorist, Rahimi? Well, probably not. But I would venture to guess that we have enough. Of course, President Obama might still be holding on to the fact that he's just an alleged terrorist and um, that we shouldn't jump to any conclusions just because his picture was in the videos and there is DNA uh, evidence, I believe. There's, um, there is, certainly there was his cell phone now, I guess, theoretically, it could belong to somebody else who stole his cell phone and put it in with the bomb. I guess that's all possible. However, it is very unlikely. So, what is this latest example of how politicians and the media are trying to promote their version of the truth? We had President Obama warning journalists. He didn't say anything about this attack, these attacks, as they were unfolding over the weekend. He didn't want to call them terrorist attacks. He certainly didn't want to call them done by radical Islamists. Oh, my God. That would be heresy. So he then warned journalists not to report on this as a terrorist attack because we, uh, we're not sure, we don't know, and on and on. Of course it did turn out. I mean, any, you know, a fifth grader, you know, are you smarter than a fifth grader? A fifth grader would know that it is likely that these things were terrorist attacks. From the first one that was um, found in New Jersey, where there were explosives in a, um, oh, I don't know what to call it, a, a garbage bin of sorts, uh, along the route of a charity race uh, for the Marines. Now, really, is that a coincidence? Um, do you think maybe the terrorist was copying the Boston Marathon guys? Could be. <laughs> and actually, fortunately, I mean, it's amazing how fate stepped in because um, there would have been a lot of people passing by this garbage bin um, had there not been more people who came to run in the race than the uh, organizers had expected, and therefore that took more time to, um, to get started. And so the race was delayed, and that meant that, uh, that there was nobody running by that garbage bin, fortunately, when it did go off. Um, then we have the explosion in New York that did go off. I mean, um, the, the one in New Jersey was found. But the, then we have New York, uh, downtown New York, 
and um, it, it went off and injured 29 people. And um, again, you know, Manhattan, lower Manhattan, a week after the 9-11 uh, terrorist attack anniversary. You think there might be a coincidence there? I do. They're trying to tell us that uh, you may have celebrated the 15th anniversary of 9-11, but it ain't over. It ain't over till the fat lady sings, and I don't see any fat ladies singing. Uh, they're warning us, or he. Um, we don't know, actually, at this point, whether uh, the terrorist who did uh, seemingly did put all four of those bombs, the other one in Manhattan that fortunately was found before it went off, um, or three of those bombs, well, actually four, because then there was another one in New Jersey that was found. Um, so um, at this point, we're only talking about one terrorist, and, and yes, do I think that that is connected to the 9-11 uh, anniversary, you know, show, trying to make this point that we're not going to um, stop trying to attack you? Yes, absolutely. So, um, so fortunately, fortunately, journalists, uh, not all journalists or most journalists, didn't listen to President Obama, and they did report um, on these uh, bombs, explosions, and so on as they were progressing, and although I'm sure that some of them did use some restraint. I mean, you know, <laughs> those who didn't, it was a, a matter of trying to scoop the others, not necessarily... Uh, uh, not wanting to listen to President Obama. But, um, but then there was another twist. What was the twist this time? This time the twist was that um, instead, okay, we're going to call it maybe a terrorist attack, uh, again, depending upon where in this cycle, where in this uh, progression um, you were hearing the news. But then they, the, the liberal media turned it around. To st- I, I, I don't get this but tried to turn it around to show the different reactions of Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and, and trying to say that Donald Trump was too aggressive and jumped to conclusions and all of this. Really? I would rather have a president jump to those conclusions than have a president who was sitting back and waiting till she got all the information um, from whomever she was expecting to get information from. Because by that point, um, indeed, you know, if you look at just the first New Jersey bomb, um, if, if there hadn't been heightened security, as I'm sure there, were, there was um, in New Jersey and in Manhattan, then more dangerous things, more lives could have been, more people could have been injured or killed. There was no one killed. I don't mean to give that, um, uh, that uh, misconception. But in any case, so let me read to you, and, and, and I, you know, it just boggled my mind each time that the news kept replaying these clips uh, as if they were showing us that Hillary was doing the right thing, the better thing. So let me read you some quotes. These were um, screenshots, or not screenshots, but clips, video clips, uh, press video clips of um, Donald Trump and Hillary. So first, when, when Donald Trump was getting off his plane... We have him saying, just before I got off the plane, a bomb went off in New York. Um, and then he says, nobody knows actually what's going on, but boy, we are living in a time we better get very tough, folks. Now, Hillary then says, I mean, they're, they're in separate places, but I'm just saying approximately the same time, parallel. Hillary's response was, 
I think it's always wiser to wait until you have information before making conclusions. Really, why don't you wait till more people are killed or till, I don't want to say more, I don't want to, till people are killed or injured. More are injured. Then we have later on, we have Donald Trump saying, uh, just before I got off the plane, a bomb went off in New York and nobody, oh, and nobody knows exactly what's going on. Well, that's, okay, that's another kind of similar quote. Um, and then he said, we better get very, very tough. Just happened, so we'll find out. But it's, it's a terrible thing that's going on. And what does Hillary say in parallel to that? I've been briefed about the bombings in New York and New Jersey and the attack in Minnesota. Obviously, we need to do everything we can to support our first responders. And then she says, I think it's always wiser to wait until you have information before making conclusions. I mean, look at those two different responses. You know, I hate to tell you or remind you, but there are going to be more terrorist attacks. I mean, yes, this is very sad, very tragic, and we have to, um, we have to um, prepare ourselves as if we're, living, we're preparing for a marathon. I'll talk more about that. But in any case, we, ha- we have to be prepared and not just duct tape, okay? But... But given that there are going to be more attacks, whether they are lone wolf attacks, or as I like to call it, loon wolf attacks, got people who are mentally unstable um, and attack us, um, or whether they are giant attacks, bigger attacks like 9-11, either way, we need a president who is going to be on the ball, who is not going to be sitting back and waiting to be informed by, you know, the FBI or Homeland Security or police. I mean, yes, of course we need all that information. Yes, we, we need to be informed. But um, we, we can't wait until we're... I mean, you know, the terrorists aren't waiting. They're not going to wait until we get ready for them. That's the whole point. They like to do surprise attacks. Now, fortunately... This terrorist of the weekend um, was not a very, was not a very, uh, what, well-prepared, was not a very, um, uh, I guess, well-prepared or a very, you know, he, he, he bungled the whole thing. <laughs> Let's just say that. He bungled his bombs, and, um, and he didn't do a great job. And, in fact, you know, he, he then became, uh, he was in a shootout, and he... Um, is now in a hospital, but he's expected to live, um, which is really interesting. You ever think about that? How is it that the police shoot minorities um, and, and shoot to kill minorities? And here they were right you know, next to this uh, terrorist who had a gun, who, and he shot at the police, um, <coughs> and they didn't kill him. And they were like, what, two feet away? He was sleeping in a... In an, in an alleyway of a bar, he was sleeping. They woke him up, and, and they still didn't kill him. So what does this tell you, folks? I mean, you know, granted, they wanted him alive, I would hope, I would assume, because then he could give more information about terrorism and his friends, the terrorists, and all of that. So there was a reason not to shoot him dead, but why is it they were able to do that with a man who was so close to them pointing, shooting at them from such close range, and yet they didn't kill him. But 
when there are people running away from the police with their hands in the air, no weapon, somehow they manage to shoot to kill, and they do kill them. Well, we're going to come back with more of this, um, more of these things, this political correctness, what politicians and the media don't want you to know. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. 
Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about what politicians and the media don't want you to know. My guest is Ed Brodile. His new book is called In Lies We Trust, How Politicians and the Media Are Deceiving the American Public. Well, Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, as you know, I've been talking about um, the terrorist attacks from this, this weekend. And yes, I did say terrorist attacks, <laughs> brazenly daring to say that. Um, and that's the latest example of presumably what your book is about, how, how politicians and the media twist uh, what they want us to believe. Well, they don't merely twist, they just outright lie. Yes. And this is a perfect example of that. Uh, the president has been lying to us for years now, uh, refusing to refer to this as Islamic terrorism. Uh, I mean, it goes back to the Fort Hood shootings where he said it was workplace violence. Yes. Uh, this is crazy. He just refuses to call it what it is. And uh, this is having serious negative impacts on our national security. It is jeopardizing our safety. Um, there was a book that just came out by a former agent of the uh, Homeland Security Agency who said that he believes that the, uh, the San Bernardino shootings could have been prevented except for the fact that uh, the president has censored them from using the term Islamic terrorism. They're not allowed to say jihad. They're not even allowed to say Allah. And uh, they've got their hands tied behind their backs. So this is, you cannot deal with an enemy you mean, if you, you, if you don't about say who the enemy security. is. You, you're talking about Homeland Security isn't even allowed to say that. Yeah, the president has, has made it, has told them that they will be disciplined if they use any of those, those terms. Oh, not wow. Use those terms. Wow. I mean, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And, you know, part of the problem is that the American public, I mean, we're all in denial, or most people, I should say, are mostly in denial. We don't want to believe that our country is under that much threat. So there hasn't been that much uh, pushback as far as that. But yes, absolutely, that we're, you know, it, it, did you, do you know in, um, in Harry Potter, Voldemort, he who will not be named, yeah, you know, the character, the dangerous character, um, part of the enemy who will not be named. I mean, part, how do you fight an enemy and protect yourself against an enemy if you don't name the enemy? You can't. The answer is you can't. 
<laughs> I mean, it's not only, not only doesn't he want to name the enemy, but three years ago the president said that the, uh, the problem of terrorism has been uh, resolved. <laughs> I mean, you imagine that? He said, we, we've, we've solved the problem. It's, it's oh, not, not a problem okay. anymore. <laughs> That's good. I don't, I don't, oh, you know, I'm not sure what world he's living in. Uh, when, you know, when he, and the quote is, the global war on terror is over. I'm reading yeah. a quote from my book right now, page 59 of my book. Uh, the global war on terror is over. That's what he said in May of 2013. So yeah. either he's uh, forgotten to take his meds, <laughs> or this is a deliberate campaign to misinform the American public. I go for the latter. I go for the latter, too. I think all of his years in office have been uh, purposely created to make America more vulnerable to terrorists. Well, there is something about this man that we don't know. Uh, when I talk about lies in my book, uh, I, I point out that there's, there, are, there are obvious lies, and then there are, there are lies that are not quite so obvious, and one of the lies has to do with the omission of information. For example, what do, what do we really know about Obama? Why is he so secretive, uh, for example, about his uh, academic records? Mm-hmm. Why don't we know? Why don't we know any of that stuff? Why? Why we don't? Why don't we know more about his relationship uh, with uh, that uh, preacher that he was been hanging around with mm-hmm. for the past thirty years, or with uh, Ayers and, and these other people? Uh, I think that the truth will eventually come out about him. Uh, I prefer not to speculate. In the meantime, all I know is is that he's not telling us the truth, and it is hurting us tremendously. And, of course, Hillary would continue in this same vein. Yeah, there, there was a wonderful, I just found a, a wonderful cartoon. Uh, it has a picture of a terrorist, and he says, I'm going to come to your country and I'm going to kill everybody. And then there's a picture of Donald Trump, and he says, we have to protect uh, the borders. And then there's a picture of Hillary pointing to Donald Trump saying, hater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what they do, they call him a hater. He, he's, you know, he's a racist. He's a bigot. Um, you shouldn't jump to conclusions. Why is he jumping? To con- he was smart enough to recognize, as a five-year-old would have been able to do, that this was an attack of terrorism. Right. It didn't take a hell of a lot to figure it out. Right. And, but they're criticizing him for that. I, I, I don't understand that. That's what I would expect from, from my chief executive, to be able to have a good sense to, to see it and call it for what it is. Yes, absolutely. Well, um, tell us some more about what, what kind of lies you talk about in your book. Well, one of the other lies that I talk about uh, is this whole business of global warming, which is another one of the president's uh, little pet projects. Now, global warming is supposed to be something that is going to cause uh, terrible things to happen, catastrophes. They have been uh, filling us with hysteria for years now, uh, ever since Al Gore made that movie in 2004. Remember that movie? Yes, An Inconvenient Truth, yeah. yes. Well, Al Gore had three, he had three predictions. He predicted that the oceans were going to rise 20 feet in the next couple of years, he said, back in 2004. Well, that didn't happen. He then he predicted that the uh, Arctic ice was going to melt, and that didn't happen. And the best one, he predicted that uh, he said, if we don't take drastic action to prevent global warming, by January of 2016, 
the world as we know it is going to come to an end. Hmm. Well, fortunately, he was wrong, or we wouldn't hmm. be having this conversation. But uh, the point is that I, I did a tremendous amount of research for my book, and I discovered that there is an overwhelming amount of evidence that this whole global warming uh, thing is a hoax. It's an absolute hoax. And all of the arguments that have been put forth to, uh, in favor of it have been refuted. For example, they say that 97% of scientists agree that global warming is a problem. Have you heard that one? Well, I know that I didn't hear the specific percentage, but... That's, that's the one that they use. That's the, kind of the official figure uh-huh. that came from the U.N. Well, that's been refuted. 31,000 scientists signed a petition that the whole thing is a lot of baloney, but they still push the same thing. Uh, the hockey stick theory uh, of global warming. They have a, a picture of a hockey stick. They show in the last 100 years that the temperatures have gone up. And that is supposed to be evidence that uh, man-made carbon emissions are causing the, heat, the temperature to go up. Well, that's been refuted. They, they found that 500 years ago, it was even warmer than it is today. So the reality is that the weather is cyclical. And you, you have an ice age, then it's warm for a while, and there's another ice age, and it's warm. So this is a normal process. And it's not something that uh, is caused by, by something that you and I are doing, which is what they're trying to make us believe. Okay, so why, what is the goal? Like, what is the benefit to... The benefit our... is a political benefit. Uh, this was started by the UN. It is being pushed by people who call themselves globalists. And apparently the president uh, thinks of himself as a globalist. Uh, the objective in the UN is to have a one-world government where they control everything, mm. and then they can redistribute the, uh, the resources of the planet. In other words, take it away from the United States and give it to somebody else. That's, that's really what's behind the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so it's, not about, it's not about climate. It's about politics. It's about a political agenda. That's interesting, and of course that would go with the uh, same thing that you were just talking about in regard to terrorism, that, um, well, what I was saying also about how making us, Obama making us more vulnerable, um, if we're more vulnerable, then that gives other countries more equal footing and, and more of an ability to go to this same one world government ruled by people who are Obama's friends. Well, the danger here for us is that if we, if we spend the trillions of dollars that they want us to spend to correct this supposed problem, we would bankrupt the country. The country would, we would destroy our economy. Mm. And the irony is, is that we would be doing it in service of a problem that doesn't exist, mm. which is really, a, yeah, that's a criminal, that's, that's absolutely criminal in my opinion. And also, of course, it hurts the uh, industrialists mo- most. You know, it's the uh, it's like the Ayn Rand issue. You know, um, the people who are making money in corporations and so on make, from manufacturing and from things that create these carbon footprints, right, would hurt hurt these people most. Well, it would hurt everybody. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, it's it's sort of an anti um, manufacturing. Well, yeah, the whole yeah, it's an anti yeah. I mean, it's it's anti it's anti business. Right. Now that's that's been another uh, hallmark of the Obama administration is that it has been anti-business, and that I believe is is another lie that's being put out there by the Obama administration, that somehow uh, 
business, the business world is a uh, an evil world. That's that's the impression we've been given. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mm-hmm. government government is what creates jobs. Well, I got bad news for the president. <laughs> government does not create jobs. It's the private sector. It's the economy that that, that creates jobs. And uh, so once again, we're being misled. Mm-hmm. Tell us about one of my favorites and that I know you write about and that uh, is really gotten to be increasingly scary, although it seems to be falling apart for that matter, uh, Obamacare. Oh, well, I have a whole chapter in my book about Obamacare. Uh, they knew from the beginning that everything they were telling us was a lie. Uh, when, when the president said, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. He knew all along that that was not going to be the case. Um, and uh, what they did, they did it because they thought we were too stupid. Uh, this is actually a quote. You know, we, the public is too stupid to um, to know, you know, to know how what to do. So we're going to do it for them. Now, uh, this all came out. There was a man by the name of Jonathan Gruber. Does that does that name ring a bell? Yeah. Jonathan Gruber was an MIT economist who was one of the architects of Obamacare. And he has come out and admitted that, that they pulled the wool over our eyes. And he laughs about it. He says, we, lie, you know, we lied about everything. We huh. knew that uh, you, know, you can't give this stuff away uh, without it costing something. And, and uh, the fact is that uh, it's going to cost more. So the, the, two, the two promises of Obamacare were that the, uh, it was going to cover people who are not covered, poor people, uh, and it was going to be, uh, reduce everybody's uh, out-of-pocket. And both of those has turned out not to be true. There are still millions of poor people who are not eligible under Obamacare, and the average person's uh, health premiums have doubled, tripled, quadrupled. I'm listening to my friends. They're all up in arms because their, their rates have gone through the roof. So they lied about everything. And, you know, one of the things that, that really, um, I mean, of course, costs, and yes, insurance premiums going. Uh, I mean, the one good thing, though, is um, that apparently, at least in some of the states, the insurance companies are, um, are giving up Obamacare. I mean, they're not going to support Obamacare anymore. What, yeah, that just turns- pulled out. What, so which it's, one it's falling apart. Uh-huh. Yes. It's falling Let's, apart. Well, we need to take a break. We will come back to this when, when we come back. <laughs> We're talking about um, my guest's new book. It's called In Lies We Trust, How Politicians and the Media Are Deceiving, uh, are the, are deceiving the American Public. We've been uh, talking about some of that, and we'll be back with Ed Brodow uh, in a few minutes. So just stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? 
Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about what politicians and the media don't want you to know. My guest is Ed Brodow, his new book, Just in Time. It's actually, Ed, it's coming out, it's the uh, official pub date is in like a week, right? It's in a week, yeah, the 27th. It's yeah. available for pre-order right now, though, on Amazon. Okay. And it's so people, called... People in, should order it now and they'll, they'll get it next week. Okay. It's called In Lies We Trust, How Politicians and the Media Are Deceiving the American Public. And um, we've been talking about some of the ways... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's getting really, I mean, well, well, let's go back to Obamacare before we go into some other things, because I wanted to say one of the things that, that um, I find the most scary, and I've been seeing it play out uh, amongst people that I know who have parents or grandparents who are in the hospital, um, you know, these death panels. I actually had a guest on this show some years before Obamacare, and um, he was telling me, <laughs> about these death panels and how this was coming. And I remember listening to him and thinking, what? You know, it, I, he, was, he was very well credentialed and all that, but I was thinking, what? He must be crazy. They, they're not going to do anything like that. And sure enough, years later, what he was saying, he knew. He knew what they were planning. And, and yes, this is true. And people, um, after a certain age, are getting denied care because... Um, because because it costs more to provide more intensive kind of care, and it's the same thing as the um, the new law that was passed about how you can well in in certain states it's getting to be passed in more and more states about assisted suicide and euthanasia. I mean, it's to get rid of people so that w- the government don't has doesn't have to spend money on their care. Yeah, one of the things that I talk about in my book, I, I compare our welfare state to what's going on in Europe. Because, uh, as you know, in Europe, they give you all kinds of benefits and uh, uh, free health care and socialized medicine and all of that. And uh, what I point out is that it's all falling apart. They're not able to provide care. So one of the, one of the areas that, uh, that is uh, uh, being deprived is the care for older people. They're just, uh, you know, letting them die. And that's the same thing that will happen here if we follow the same route. Well, it is already happening. I mean, um, in people that I know, you know, they have to struggle. Uh, first of all, you always have to stay at the hospital these days with um, when anybody is sick, too, <laughs> because some of the hospitals 
I mean, in general, hospitals are understaffed and so on, so you have to make sure that you have to catch the mistakes. And, um, and you can be very fortunate. It all depends on what kind of doctor you have. You can be very fortunate and have a doctor who doesn't care how old you are and wants to do the right thing and all of that. But if you don't happen to get a doctor like that, and it's a doctor who's more willing to follow these, um, um, these restrictions, um, then, then you're out of luck. Well, what concerns me is two things. Number one, that the press doesn't report all of this stuff, yeah. you know. Uh, the things I'm talking about in my book, well, most people have not heard any of this because the press doesn't report it. Uh, the other thing that worries me is that our government, uh, the, the Obama administration, and presumably uh, the uh, Hillary Clinton administration, if there ever is one, following will follow the same path uh, where they are attempting to uh, take over every aspect of, of our lives. They want to take over. They want, uh, eventually, they, if, they, if they follow this route, they'll be nationalizing our industries, uh, controlling everything that we do. And when they get to that point, uh, that's the end of our democracy. In fact, um, one of my pet peeves is that there is a... Uh, a campaign going on right now to eliminate free speech. And I'll give you three examples of that. Uh, one example, the Attorney General Loretta Lynch has indicated that she's going to prosecute anyone who is guilty of what she calls anti-Muslim rhetoric. In other words, anybody who criticizes Islam, throw them in jail. So I could be thrown in jail for what I've written in my book. Wow. Uh, also, there are, there are laws that they're trying to pass in state legislatures. I know there's one in California right now. I don't know if you're aware of this. They have a law that they're trying to pass that would make it illegal to deny climate change. So if I, uh, what I just told you, that, that climate change is a hoax, a hoax, if that law passes, they're going to throw me in jail just because of what I said. Wow. Well, it's unbelievable that this would be happening in this country. And, and the third example uh, is political correctness. We are mired in this political correctness, which is the, the uh, uh, child of McCarthyism. Uh, the, whole, the whole deal with political correctness is to shut up the other side. It's, it's, the, it's the liberal forces trying to shut everybody up. And uh, if, if they're successful... We lose free speech. If we lose free speech, we've lost everything because everything we have is founded on, on, on that one essential uh, right, the right to, to say what you, or think what you, what you want to think. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, but how come, what about the, the football players who um, were kneeling and sitting? So would they be, um, what would happen to them? Well, you know, probably when they nothing. Were si- sitting probably when they... nothing, because the left likes that sort of thing. Uh-huh. Yes, you know, I know. That, that's that's uh, an exception. The left, uh, if you want to bash the country, the left is all for that. There's a lot of... I talk about that in my book, too, how we have a lot of uh, bashing of the, of the United States. Uh, that's, that's all, you know, uh, another uh, result of our gullibility, of all the lies and our gullibility, is that people are bashing the United States and saying what a terrible place it is here. And how awful we are, and and how the police. Uh, one one of the biggest lies that's put out there is that the um, 
I, I know you were talking about shoot, police shooting people, mm-hmm. uh, but this, the lie is that the racist police are out to get black men. That is a politically correct notion that is a total lie, and uh, it's, it's causing people to, to overlook what's really happening, which is that we have an epidemic of crime, uh, that it just happens to be that there's a, a, a lot of it going on coming out of, out of the minority communities, uh, and you know, it is not racist to say uh-huh. that. But according to political correctness, if I say that, you know, I'm a racist. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, I mean, that's why I was saying minorities. I mean, it is, it isn't, it's funny though. I, I mean, yes, it, it's, it's so circular because the other thing is like with the Black Lives Movement, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, um, you know, by, by that stirring up black men to become very, uh, aggressive, um, in fact, when cops see somebody committing a crime or suspect somebody committing a crime and it's a black man, they are going to be, whatever their color, they're going to be much more frightened if it's a black man because they're going to think, oh, he might belong to, you know, or believe in the Black Lives Matter movement and I'm going to be in more, he's going to really shoot me. And so it really kind of goes against what they're trying to do. It's making things tougher for them. Because well, it's actually when, working the other way around because apparently... Uh, they have what they call the Ferguson effect. Uh, the police are uh, very hesitant to enforce the law if there's a minority involved, uh, and, and they're not—they're just not enforcing the law. Uh, so well, uh, it's resulting in a great deal of lawlessness, and yeah. that is also that has been uh, encouraged by the president, who has in every case where we've had a racially charged situation, uh, the president has. Uh, either told a lie or said something inflammatory. It started with uh, yeah. Gates, Professor Gates at Harvard. Do you remember when, when the president said uh, the police had acted uh, incorrectly? And then, of course, uh-huh. he had to. It turned out they hadn't. Uh, mm-hmm. When he said that Trayvon, if he had a son, it, he would look like Trayvon Martin. Yes, yes, that, that was one incredibly was really inflammatory. And that everything so that he has done has, has just in, uh, caused divisiveness. And, and, and made it more difficult for the police to do their job. Yes. I mean, I think it's both, because also police shoot at people, no matter what color, the more frightened a policeman is, let's put it that way, a police, um, a, a police person is, um, the more likely they will be to shoot and to shoot with more deadly force than if well, they're less the statistics frightened. show that they do not shoot a, a disproportionate number of black men or Hispanic mm-hmm. men. In fact, they're more likely, uh, the statistics show they're more likely to shoot a white person, a white man, than they are to shoot a black man. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, uh, based on my research, that's what the statistics show. Mm-hmm. So all of this uh, hysteria that, that the, the racist police are out to get black men is, is just a lot of nonsense. Um, the problem, uh, and, I, and I address it directly, uh, I accuse political correctness of preventing us from having an honest dialogue about race. Because if you say anything that is critical of any minority, uh, they'll jump all over you, and the result is that nobody wants to say anything. Mm-hmm. So as Thomas Sowell, who was an African-American uh, economist, pointed out, if you say anything about race, if you're white, you're a racist, and if you're black, you're an Uncle Tom. So mm-hmm. nobody mm-hmm. says anything and nothing gets done. 
Mm-hmm. I'd like to go back to what you said earlier about Loretta Lynch and uh, this, what she's trying to do if you criticize Islam. Could you go into that and in greater depth? Yeah, yeah. See, uh, it, this happened uh, after San, right at the time of the San Bernardino uh, shootings, um, and it's all spelled out in my book. She said, uh, this is a great opportunity for us here, uh, and we're going to prosecute anybody who's guilty of anti-Muslim rhetoric. So in other words, she wasn't worried about the acts of terrorism. She wasn't concerned about stopping terrorism. What she was concerned about was that there was going to be a backlash against Muslims, that there were going to be hate crimes against Muslims. Well, the fact is that uh, there have been very few hate crimes against Muslims in this country. In fact, there have been six to seven times more hate crimes against Jews than there have been against Muslims. So uh, what she's talking about, I don't know. But it's, it's just the concept, the very idea that they would like to stop people from saying what they have a right to say. It's, it's, it's a direct attack on free speech. Boy, I mean, between, you know, if you couple that with, I mean, I, I agree that there shouldn't be hate crimes against anybody, but if you couple that with, um, so is this a law that she, I mean, where does this stand? Well, she's the law. She's the attorney general. And she, she made a statement that we are going to prosecute these people. But I'm not uh-huh. making it up. You can look it up. It's right out there. <laughs> I, I believe you. I'm waiting for a call. I'm expecting a call any time now from the Justice Department saying uh, you're under arrest. <laughs> yeah, it's right. It's terrifying when you think about it. But it that's is. What they're they're actually doing it, and people see that's the thing. Nobody believes it. Who would believe that that would happen yes. in the United States? Yes. But it is happening here, and uh, the, the real danger is that we are under attack. Islam has declared war on the West, and if we can't respond to it in an honest and open way, then, then we can't protect ourselves from the onslaught of terrorist acts, which, as you can see from the last few days, are going to be increasing, increasing, increasing. We're going to have more and more of that. Yes. So we've got to be able to defend against it. Yes. I mean, you know, it was... Um... I mean, and how do you how do you not say how do you keep denying that it has to do with radical Islamists, whether they're um, domestic terrorists who have been uh, radicalized or or wherever they come from? You know, it is people who are who are convinced to believe in these twisted you know the twi- they, they twist. Well, let me um, clarify something. It's not radical Islam. It's Islam. <laughs> the mainstream doctrines of Islam are that jihad, that's a main, jihad is a mainstream doctrine of Islam, and they believe that, that uh, they have a right to, uh, to either convert or kill anybody who doesn't accept Islam. That means Christians, Jews, Hindus, uh, they want to throw homosexuals off buildings, uh, they want to mutilate women and subjugate women, these are barbaric, but that's what, if you're a Muslim, that's what you believe. So when they talk about the fact that uh, most Muslims are, are moderate and they're, they're not radical, uh, I would challenge that. And uh, if a Muslim, uh, if someone says to me, I'm a Muslim, I want to ask that person, do you accept those doctrines of Islam? If they say yes, then I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna get pull out a gun because they're probably gonna try to kill me. If they say no, I don't accept that, 
Then they fall into what I think is a group of people who identify as Muslims because of social or ethnic reasons. Just as there are millions of people in this country uh, and other other places who say, I'm a Christian or I'm a Jew, but they don't follow the religion. They do it because of ethnic uh, identification. Right, right. So, so that's kind of Muslim. To, I wish we had it, more not time really to talk. Muslim, but but the, the things wish, that we're talking about are I, part I we, of the Muslim religion. I don't know if you can hear the music, and I wish we had more time to talk about this because this is a whole other thing. But um, I, I do want to take uh, have the time to uh, repeat the title of your book, which is. In Lies We Trust, How Politicians and the Media Are Deceiving the American Public. My guest has been Ed Brodow. Thank you so much. And you, the book can be bought, of course, on Amazon. And um, you can uh, check out Ed's website, which is brodow.com, correct? B-R-O-D-O-W, brodow.com. Yes. yes. Well, thank you so much, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 